Josh Hader made very quick work of the ninth inning, too. So the game started to drag out a little bit at the end, but by and large went very quickly, and I'm excited to begin the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills, and I hope you're enjoying your day. Happy 420 to those of you who observe. I got a tweet from... <laughs> I got a tweet from Cone Roller uh, earlier today. He's like, are you celebrating? I was like, what do you mean am I celebrating? I'm going to do a show at 4 p.m. And then when I go home, Net Celtics is on. Bucks Bulls starts at 8.30. If I were to celebrate 420 today, I would either be completely zooted during my show, which we're not going to do, or I would fall asleep during the Bucks game. No, I'm not celebrating 420. But happy holidays to those of you who are. We're going to talk about the Brewers tonight. Yes, a little bit about last night, a little bit about today. I want to talk about Rowdy Telez. So we're going to do that. Mike Renner. Pro Football Focus lead draft analyst. Yes, we have him, or we're going to have him. We will have him at 420. (laughs) Appropriate. I have some Packers questions, and I want to talk about a big news story today that felt inevitable, but we finally got it in writing. We got a story. We got a report, a scoop from Jeff Darlington that Debo Samuel has requested a trade, which could lead to all sorts of dominoes falling around the league. If Debo Samuel doesn't get paid or wants a trade, Well, who's to say now that Terry McLaurin or A.J. Brown or D.K. Metcalf, which all came from that draft class as well, who's to say those guys aren't in the same situation, right? Something interesting to think about. So I want to talk about that with Mike Renner and a bunch of Packers draft questions. He is an expert. I am not. So it is my goal to throw him some softballs and have him explain some things that I can't. That is is my goal. I think we're all going to get smarter. Mike Renner at PFF underscore Mike on Twitter. He'll join us in about 15 minutes. Before we talk about today's game, which was a very run-of-the-mill 4-2 to win over the Pirates, Brandon Woodruff was brilliant. Other than that, not a whole lot to say about it. I want to talk about last night's game really quickly, right? Because on Monday, I remember talking about and summarizing the Brewers series over the Pirates, right? Their home opener series. They split 2-2. Two to two. Remember, they won Thursday and Sunday, and then they lost Friday and Saturday. And I remember explaining, you got the full spectrum of the Craig Council, David Stearns, Brewers, right? Thursday, that's the ideal version. Friday, Saturday, that's, that's the ugly side. And then Sunday was a little bit, a little bit of both, but a lot, you know, a lot better compared to a lot worse. Last night's game, another example of the ideal version of this iteration of the Milwaukee Brewers. This team, as David Stearns and Craig Council constructed it, and they've constructed similar teams the last couple of years. Last night was the ideal version Right, just like last Thursday when they won their home opener over the Cardinals. When I when I'm talking about ideal version, how can I explain this? Think of think of baking, right? Maybe you bake, maybe you don't, but at some point in your life you've made a cake, you've made cookies, you made something. Think about stirring up the ingredients in the bowl, right? And you're you're pouring that batter into a cake pan, or you're scooping it onto a cookie tray and you're putting it in the oven. And all the while, when you're mixing up the ingredients and you're stirring with your fingers and you're you're forming it ready to go in the oven. You're visualizing, you're picturing, oh, this is going to be great. I can't wait to put it in the oven. And then when it comes out, it's going to look like this, this perfect version, right? You can picture it all throughout the process, right? That's, that's, that's the same with this Brewers team. A 5-1 Brewers win, like we had last week over the Cardinals, or 5-2 as we saw last night, that's the ideal version. That's a, a perfect, fluffy, golden angel food cake. It has that slight almond smell that wafts through the house crunchy shell on the exterior but as soon as you break through that it's fluffy on the inside not too dry right perfect to spread some strawberries some whipped cream perfect right it's it's a perfect version when it comes out of the oven you're like there it is 
That's what we were picturing throughout this entire process. It's the same with some of these Brewers wins, right? Dominant starting pitching performance. We got that from Corbin Burns yesterday, last night. We got it from Woody today. We got a week ago in the home opener. When you have a dominant starting pitching performance, that basically erases the first five or six innings of the game. You know what I mean? You're basically cutting the game in half or you're cutting the game in thirds and you're taking two thirds of the game away and you're saying to the other team, you're not scoring in those innings. That's not on the table for you. We're taking that away, right? That's the first ingredient. Second ingredient, you know, an offense that chips away. The Brewers offense, even at its best, isn't really an offense that will put up one crooked number in one beginning. They'll drop a solo shot here, two or three runs off a double, a two-out double here and there. You know, a couple walks lead to a single here and there. It's an offense that chips away, and by the end of the game, you know, they they can accrue four or five, six runs, and if the starting pitcher does their job like Burns did last night, Woodruff did today, it can work really well. And then, of course, when you have Devin Williams right, and he's not exactly right right now, but hopefully gets there, and Josh Hader, who's, I mean, he's Josh Hader. He's all reliable. Those two slam the door at the end. That's the winning recipe, right? That's, that's that beautiful angel food cake when you pull it out and you say, that's what I was thinking all along, all day, when I went to the store to buy the ingredients, when I got home and I used the mixer and I got everything ready, that's what I was envisioning. When I, and I pull it out of the oven, you finally see it. That's, that's some of these Brewer games. That was last night. That was today. Now, it can go sideways quickly, right, if the starting pitcher struggles in the first, gets pulled in the third for lack of command, or the offense doesn't show up at all, or Devin Williams melts down at the end of the game. It doesn't take a lot for, for it to fall apart, right? Same with baking. You put a little extra baking soda in there, or, uh, not enough eggs, right? A little too much flour. You pull it out of the oven. You're like, what the hell is this? You don't need to completely botch the recipe. You just need to get one or two little things wrong, and it all falls apart. Same with the brewers, right? But when everything is perfect and all those ingredients are measured out, it's in the oven for the right amount of time. You pull it out. It can be a, can be a thing of beauty. It was a thing of beauty last night and today. Now they're playing the Pirates, so it might not matter. But you got to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. Three-game winning streak over the Pirates, I'll take it. Something else I want to talk about really briefly before we get to our friend Mike Renner. Don't look now. Rowdy Telez. Rowdy Telez is hooping. He had an RBI double on Sunday. He had a homer last night. Homer today. Ben Kenny today. You'll hear him on Kenny and Heilprin tomorrow night. Uh, You hear him on the Thrill Michaels show every day from 10 to 2. It's comparing Rowdy Telez's stat line to Castellanos, Schwarber, Freeman, Rizzo. It's better. The home runs are there. The RBIs are there. But the average, Rowdy Telez is hitting 294. OPS just under 1,000. He's at 998, which is way better than some comparable players in the National and the American League. I'm not saying Rowdy Telez is going to be an all-pro first baseman and be an all-star starter and all that. But before the season, I'm like, hey, maybe Rowdy Telez has a... Jesus Aguilar 2018-esque type season where he gets off to a hot start and really helps keep this offense humming for the first half. So far, that's been true. I don't know if it's going to continue, so I'm going to cash out on this take right now. I don't know if the stock of this bold prediction is going to get any higher, so I'm going to cash out. I'm going to take my money, uh, and I'm going to go home because I don't know if it's going to continue for Rowdy Telez, but a really good start. Let's talk to Ed in Madison really quickly, 608-796-2558. What's up, Ed? Welcome to the show. Hey there, Grant. Um, you know, I just wanted to bring in a different angle of the Brewers. You know, back here in Madison, there was people on this soapbox that they think hey, Josh Hader should have been possibly trade bait last year yeah. or, you know, yeah. to get more bodies on their team and to build up their offense. I got to tell you, for all those hate, Josh Hader 
I don't like to call them haters, but to, to yeah. get to see him go, boy, I tell you, I'll take him, sign him up, keep him as a brewer forever because I'll tell you, ask the Padres when they let Trevor Hoffman go. Yep. How great their bullpen went. So, you know, I would hate to see it. But, you know, I there's something that you're talking about with all these, these now the new power surge of the Brewers. And I've always been a big proponent of trying to understand home runs are awesome. Mm-hmm. Guys on with home runs are even better. And I thought last year a lot of their home run power was always, it does seem like they're always solo shots, solo shots. I want yeah. guys on base. And I think this team this year actually has that with McCutcheon, again, with Colton Wong. And there's guys getting on base. And that's just showing what happened today with um, Kessie, as Euchre likes to call <laughs> yeah. Um, You know, getting guys on base, I mean, bringing them all home in one fatal swoop. That's a big deal. I think this team is is definitely a awakening. Not, I'm not going to get too high, and I'm not going to get definitely not going to get crazy here on you. But I just think this team is on the right path. Well, it helps play the Pirates too, right? That's a good way to get right. Well, yeah, and, and something I like about that seventh yeah. inning, Ed, it, it, no walks, right? Renfro got that double. Narvaez singled, right? right? It, there were no walks. The Brewers have, have used a lot of walks to score runs the last week or so, and we talked a little bit about that yesterday. I liked guys were, were getting base knocks and getting on today. Yep, yeah. I, I like the pickup of Renfro. He might not be really quick in the outfield, but, but boy, his bat's going to pay big dividends this year, I think. He might be the steal of um, for the Brewers. You know, they always seem to find these, you know, this GM always finds diamonds in the rough. Yeah. And I just think, you know, he, he's not afraid to kick tires and go get some guys that might not be as uh, highly touted like the Yankees like to seem to always do or, or the Braves or, you know, the big market teams. There is one more last thing I want to say. I'm really not feeling Devin Harris, you know, our relief pitcher. Yeah. He, you know, I just don't know what is going on. I mean, please shed some light on this because it's it, it's kind of scary. It's like you're holding your breath when he comes into the game. Is he, is he really here to – is he going to perform up to where he was last year before he busted his hand? It's just uh, really – it's not a good not a good thing. You know, remember um, Ted Turnbull? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Turnbull. Okay, too. Yeah, yeah that <laughs> makes me feel. Yeah. Are you going to get a Turnbull? Are you going to get this? And I don't know. Yeah, I know what you mean, Ed. I, I can talk about Williams for a minute. I got to let you go because we got to get to Mike Renner to talk draft. But I appreciate the call, Ed. We'll talk again soon. Yeah, here, bud. Yeah, have a good one. That's Ed and Madison. Williams' fastball velocity seemed a little better today. He was hitting ninety four a couple of times. I think that is huge. What 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 doesn't worry about Devin Williams? He's getting ahead in the count. He's getting up o two on guys. The problem is he can't put them away. So an extra mile per hour on his fastball, which he's been able to locate at the top of the zone, it just hasn't had enough oomph behind it. That extra little velocity on the fastball will be big, and I think gets a little extra velocity. He's able to put away some guys. Then comes the confidence. Then the confidence to throw and locate the changeup. He's he's close, I think. Close, I think. He's getting up on guys. He just is lacking that one put-away pitch. Um, and I think with some tweaks, he can get back to that. Let's take a break. Really quickly, we'll come back, and I want to talk Packers draft on a couple NFL headlines. We're a week away from the draft, a week from tomorrow. So Pro Football Focus's lead draft analyst, Mike Renner, joins us next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports 
Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter at Wisco Grant. Richie tweets in about that call he just got from Ed in Madison. I do think he called Devin Williams Devin Harris, and I'm pretty sure he said Ted Turnbow instead of Derek Turnbow. We know what he meant. We knew who he was talking about. Don't be dragging Ed for no reason. Brewers got the win today over the Pirates just in time to start the show. Now joining the show, Mike Renner, lead draft analyst for Pro Football Focus. Mike, I know you're busy with draft season, but please tell me you've been seeing these riveting Brewers-Pirates games the last couple days. Big winning streak for our team. I have not, but I mean, I am a Brewers fan originally from Milwaukee, so uh, been a little too busy, but once once the draft season's over, I start getting more into baseball. Brewers-Pirates, uh, I mean, the Pirates are, God, the Pirates are garbage. I want to get fired up about them winning these last three games, but I don't have a whole lot to say about it. You haven't missed anything too crazy. Today, uh, we finally got maybe what we thought was maybe going to happen, and we got an official report from Jeff Darlington that Debo Samuel wants out. Packers fans are excited because they have all these picks. I just, there's no way San Fran's going to deal them to Green Bay. And I don't think it makes sense anyways. But if a trade goes down in the next week, do you have any thoughts on this? It could change the draft board in front of or behind the Packers. Like it would obviously be a big move that could change some things in the NFL. What was your reaction to that Debo news today? Yeah, I mean, it's good for the Packers regardless, right? Because whoever does trade for him is the team that's out of the wide receiver market pretty much. So like if it's the Jets... If it's Kansas City, if it's, uh, you know, the Patriots, that, that's just one fewer team in front of them that's probably going to draft a wide receiver. And 49ers, like, they don't, they wouldn't go draft a Debo replacement. They have other options at wide receiver and they have bigger pressing needs on that roster if they do trade Debo. So uh, either way, it's good, but I do not see him ending up as a Green Bay Packer. Do you think this is a respect thing, like San Francisco came to Debo with an insulting first offer. I I saw Brad Spielberger tweeting about that today. I thought that was interesting. It sounds like San Fran is willing to pay him, but the Packers were willing to pay Adams too. Is it just too little too late? Is that what this is, do you think? I do wonder if he's, you know, succumbing to kind of the wave of players just saying, you know, if if I'm not getting enough here, I don't feel respected here with the offer. There's someone out there who I know is going to pay more because there is. I mean, if he were to hit free agency right now, he would be getting paid top dollar on the market. He'd be getting paid more than pretty much anyone else in the NFL. So that's just kind of how the world works. If you have a bunch of people bidding for you, your price is going to go up versus just one team bidding for you. But he really didn't hold any leverage because the 49ers can basically just call his bluff and say, you're really going to sit out a year, go ahead because that's not going to do you any favors from a contract perspective. Yeah, and that makes him a year farther away from uh, free agency. He would be restricted. I was reading about that today, too. I'm interested to see if something goes down. There's only a week until the draft, so we'll see. I find it funny that the Christian Kirk deal and all the money that he got maybe screwed things up for other wide receivers, and I was laughing today about the idea that Christian Kirk's contract had these big ripple effects, and then Jake Kumaro becoming a story with the Packers and with Rodgers a couple of years ago. It's these no-name, well, Christian Kirk's not a no-name wide receiver, but these lower-level wide receivers have, like, had effects across the NFL, and that really makes me laugh. Yeah, the Jaguars actually finally making an impact, finally being <laughs> being relevant. Yeah, that's, not, not the best way still, but being relevant. Oh, that's a good point. We're talking with Mike Renner. You can find him on Twitter, at PFF Mike. Um, I thought you and Austin made a really good point on your tailgate podcast when you were ranking wide receivers something unique about this draft the first day guys are smaller and the day two guys are bigger wide receivers which it's not typically working that way right the big guys are typically towards the top of the draft does that increase the likelihood that the Packers as usual don't take a wide receiver in the first round do you think they wait for that reason until they can get a bigger guy later on I think you could I mean I do think that a lot of the top guys 
would not fit their profile, like a Jamison Williams, like a Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. All three would be the lightest wide receivers drafted in the you know Thompson Gutekunst era of GM tenure. They've just coveted bigger dudes. So, uh, would not surprise me if we're sitting here Friday, Packers fans panicking because there's still not another wide receiver added to the roster. Safety. I know Hill has been a name for Michigan, right? That a lot of Packers fans are now glomming on to or a D line. Like they, they don't need to take a guy in the first round. I'd feel better if they would. I just, man, I just want this team to take a wide receiver. And you talk about not fitting the Packers profile. This is something that has annoyed me the last couple of weeks. And like, you can tell me if I'm wrong, please do. Pete Bukowski does this all the time. And I'm not smack talking Pete because I like him, but he tweets about this all the time. Like gatekeeping, which wide receivers can be included in Packers mocks. Right? It's like, wow, this guy might be available. He would be a really fun fit. Well, you don't fit the, the the profile. It's like, well, they've drafted one, maybe one and a half good wide receivers since 2014. MVS was good, and Adams, that was about it. Like, I, I don't know that a departure from their norm is the worst thing in the world. What do you think about that? Well, it's, to me, it's, it's kind of when you go inside a draft board, like, they wouldn't even do it if it fell to them. Like, those guys, when once, you know, the cutoffs exist to where they won't even draft a guy, even if and we in the media stack a draft board with every single player. You're not just going to take a guy off the board, but when it's, you know, teams have length, weight, uh, X, Y, Z cutoffs for certain positions where it doesn't matter who, who, how good the talent is, he's not on their draft board. So I do think it is still a real thing that has to be taken into account. Uh, now we don't know 100% whether that's the case, but that is like, it has been publicized. We don't know 100% with the Packers, but it has been publicized that know in a number of draft rooms that guys will be off boards entirely just for physical attributes so justin jefferson wasn't on the packers board a couple years ago right because he's too small and i he wasn't available when the packers were picking a lot of packers fans want to make it so that well the packers passed on justin jefferson well no they didn't they would have had to trade up it's not like he was there in their hand and they passed but you're telling me that two years after that that wide receiver class with Justin Jefferson and, and all those guys that the Packers would then turn around and say, Oh, he's still too small. Like if Jamison Williams fell to them, which I don't think he will, but the Packers would then say, Oh, he's too small. And they just, they keep doing that for an ever, forever and ever. I, I feel like as football advances, these smaller guys are becoming more impactful. I, I feel like maybe the Packers are a little bit old fashioned like that. I don't know. Worries me. Yeah. I mean, there will come a time and I guess uh, I'm guessing or hoping that teams that, you know, have these cutoffs or have this sort of, uh, ideals for certain positions, you know, to reassess and say, oh, you know, you know, this is the way the game's trending. You know, we don't need uh, fullbacks anymore, that sort yeah. of thing. But uh, I, what, well, we haven't, we haven't seen them draft one to know. I mean, they drafted Amari Rodgers, who was a massive, massive wide receiver. I mean, in terms of how thickly built he is, it looks more like a running back than a wide receiver. So definitely fit that profile for them. Yeah, I'm, I'm still having high hopes on Amari Rodgers. I think a lot of Packers fans forget or we've given up on him. I have high hopes that he can be a contributor this year. I'm excited to see him play. We're talking with Mike Renner. Listen to the PFF tailgate with Austin Gale. It's a really fun draft podcast, and I don't even like the draft that much. It falls right now behind baseball and behind the NBA playoffs for me. So if I can get really into your podcast and get into the draft through your podcast, that means it's pretty entertaining, so you should check it out. Help me understand something, Mike. Traylon Burks from Arkansas. You have him as your seventh wide receiver at your final big board, which is up at pff.com, your 46th prospect overall. His value seems to really vary depending on who you ask. Because I was looking at Danny Kelly's board at the ringer. He has Burks as his third wide receiver, 17th prospect. The Athletic had him really high. 
why do you have Traylon Burks so much lower? I'm not asking you to, to dump on anyone else or their draft board, but why does public opinion on Burks vary so much? I just worry about, you know, him ever becoming a complete wide receiver. Okay. He's a talented athlete at his size, but, I mean, he was a slot wide receiver, and you look at a lot of his production, it's a lot of just screens underneath targets, and he's really not like a nuanced route runner by any means. And then a lot of his, you know, big games or big plays was still him basically out-muscling or out-physicaling collegiate corners. And okay. that's, that's that works in college, but once you get to the NFL – you know, cornerbacks are 195 plus pounds across the board pretty much. Whereas, you know, like 180 pounds across the board in college. So you're just dealing with a different level of physicality that he's going to have to have a plan B or a different option. And so I think he was billed by a lot of people as kind of an athletic project. And I like what he could do with the ball in his hands and whatnot, but an athletic project that then runs a four, five, five with like a 33 inch vertical and just not good all around testing numbers mm-hmm. is not something I'm too excited about drafting. And, as good as some of the plays on tape are, I mean, still a top 50 player on the board. Like I'm not going to, that's still a guy I think highly of, you know, yeah. if people were calling him a fifth rounder, I would just be singing his praises right now. So, uh, it's still a fan of his game, but I, I just think the uncertainty there when it's a deep class, in my opinion, of guys who I would consider first rounders, maybe if it's not even top heavy at that point, I'm just going to err on the side of caution and call that guy more of a second a third round pick yeah that's probably a reminder that i need just because he's a second round pick if he's a top 50 prospect that's still incredible right like that's still really good um and that's probably a good yeah. reminder it's it's all relative uh last question for you mike two names and we're just talking wide receivers i guess two names that everybody has been linking to the packers alec pierce from cincinnati george pickens those are names that i see all the time names that are very under the first round maybe even second round or later um, not really names that have been tied to 22. They're picked from Vegas. What makes them natural fits for Gutekunst and Lafleur, and, and why do I keep seeing those names? And it goes back to the size thing. And, I mean, both those guys have it. Both those guys can be an outside type of wide receiver. To me, there's a big gap between the two. I, I would much rather have Pickens. And Pickens, like, if I had to bet the Packers draft anyone in the first round, I would put money on George Pickens right now. Like, okay. that, uh, that seems like – and it's like odds on favorite to be one of either 22 or 28 because not only does he fit their physical profile and what they like and like the youth and that sort of thing that they always covet. He's also one heck of a blocker. Like that guy blocks his ass off in the run game, which I don't really care about as an outsider evaluating guys <laughs> who I want to get open at the NFL level, That's but the Packers hard. do. They, they obviously do. Alan Lazard is like still, uh, you know, a core piece of that team because of what he can do as a run blocker. So, I, I think that's a guy that fits him very well from that regard. And he has insanely good hands. Only two drops his entire career. So he, he definitely fits and could be their, one of their first-round picks. And then Alec Pierce, good hands, vertical threat, a pure explosive speed guy. But to me, I see just a lot of Jeff Janison's game. And maybe that maybe that appeals to a lot of Packers fans. Maybe I just said that, and the Packers fans' ears perked up. They're like, ooh, maybe that's the guy we want. The Trade round. up. But yeah. I, I just think he's not nothing. Yeah. There's nothing after the catch. He really struggles to avoid contact, and you just have this stiffness to his game that I'm not sure he's anything other than a pure straight deep ball guy. And don't get me wrong, he's pretty pretty sick on those routes, like pretty sick when he can stack a cornerback. He has physical tools to begin with, but as far as doing any other route other than a slant or a go, I just it's not it's not pretty sometimes. 
Check out Mike's podcast, the Tailgate Podcast with Austin Gale. They talked about Debo Samuel's trade today, and they talked about safeties. So for those of you who are all over Daxton Hill right now, I saw friend of show Perry Goldstein tweeting about it. And also on today's show, Mike, I saw you guys have Miller Lite as a sponsor now, which, like, that's awesome. Like, if you don't host a show or you're not from Wisconsin to beer, if I could get PBR as my favorite beer, if I get PBR to sponsor the show, like, I, I could retire. Like, that's super cool. So congrats on that. That made me laugh and smile when I watched your pod today. Thank you. That was a dream come true, for sure. That, uh, that one was a long time coming. So oh, very that, happy. That's amazing. Well, enjoy draft week next week, Mike. I appreciate your insight. Thanks for coming on. For sure. Thanks so much for having me. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Take care. That's Mike Greiner, Pro Football Focus, their lead draft analyst. Okay, now that I've hung up the phone and he can't hear me anymore, <laughs> the first time I had Mike on the show was like two years ago. It's the worst interview I've ever done. It is the absolute... 10 out of 10 worst interview I've ever done. So as I'm getting ready to have Mike on today, it's like, I got to nail this. I got to knock this out of the park. I had extra questions. I had extra things to bring up in case we ran out of, ran out of things. Like I, I, I was ready for this interview today. I was not going to tell Mike that, but now that he's gone, I feel like I redeemed myself from the last time I had Mike on, which was a little bit of a, a tire fire of an interview. So I feel like we nailed that. You can find him on Twitter, PFF underscore Mike. His podcast is truly great. And if you've listened to the show for any length of time, you know that I dabble in the drafts, and I like the big stories, and I like the Packers, but you won't catch me talking about 40 times and vertical jumping, and that. it's just, it's not my thing. But I love Mike's podcast, and if you can make the draft entertaining to me and feel like I need to pay attention, need to learn about these guys, then you're really good at what you do, and Mike is definitely great at what he does. You can find his final 250-player big board at PFF.com. It's really good. We were talking about Traylon Burks and where he had him. He breaks down a bunch of other prospects, 250. His final big board is up just in time for the draft. You have a week to peruse it, so go find it. Let's take a break. I want to keep talking NFL. I want to talk about this Debo Samuel trade request. We're going to do that. Wisco Sports Show back in five minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports Show. My name is Grant Mills. Let's keep the NFL stuff going. Debo Samuel is requesting a trade. Officially, we knew something was afoot, and I was actually planning to talk about Debo Samuel today, regardless. And then the news came out this afternoon from Jeff Darlington. He officially wants out of San Francisco. He wants to go somewhere else. Planning to talk about it anyways. The timing. Excellent. So I want to talk about that, what it means for the Packers. We'll get back into the Brewers a little bit in the second half of the show. Bucks play the Bulls tonight, so maybe we'll mention that before 6 o'clock as well. If you want to join, give me a call or give me a text, 608-796-2558, as Mike in Windsor has done. Mike, hello. Welcome to the show. What's up, man? How are you? I am swell. I'm a little, I don't know. I'm not looking forward to the Bucks playing at 830 tonight because I think the game might be kind of boring, and I'm just going to be frustrated that I have to stay up late because I've been staying up late all week watching other games like and Suns kept me up late last night, which I didn't expect. So, other than that, I'm great, but I'm not looking forward to the Bucks game starting at 8.30. Hey, we talked about the Bulls not making it past one series in the playoffs, and, of course, they had to get dealt the Bucks. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, of, of course. Which team in the East do you think they... If you, if you as a Bulls fan had to pick one team, like, I think the Bulls might have a long shot to beat X team, who would that team be? Um... I don't know if there's a good answer. Now that I'm trying to think of an answer, I don't know if there's a good one. Um, yeah, there's not, but I want to say the that word. No, you're good. I got, a button. I got a button for that. Just just don't do it again. Yeah. <laughs> you're maybe, good. maybe they have a 
my bad. Uh, they have a bad series, you know. Um, yeah, I I don't know. That's about the only team. Yeah. That's about the only team I could even think of out of the East that they could probably get by. Um, a few teams in the West I feel like they could beat, you know, so mm-hmm. you never know. Yeah. But I really, I really like I really um, like Pickens. Yes, um, I do too. I, I really do. His size is good. Um, yeah, he had the he had, I think he had the ACL tear. Um, not that long, you know, it was a year ago or so. Yeah, I think he only uh, played. If I remember correctly, he only played at the very end of the year, and he didn't really do a whole lot because yeah. he he obviously couldn't be that involved. He missed all season, but I like the idea that a player's value is suppressed a little bit because he was on a great team where he was maybe overshadowed by other players and he missed some time with injuries. So maybe the hype isn't as high and therefore he falls a little bit farther. I, I love the idea of George Pickens too. Yeah, I do. I really do. He's a really good player. And uh, I think, I think you mentioned, yeah, he's only had a couple drops in his career. I mean, he's, he's got great hands. So I think that he could be a really good prospect. Um, and then, uh, I mean, let's talk about Devo real quick. I mean, I think yeah. the obvious places are like these, you know, whatever teams um, that need a wide out, like the Jets or the Jags or, like, uh, teams like that. I I really feel something about the Bears for some reason, just because they got rid of Allen Robinson um, and they need someone with that kind of versatility. And I think that he would work well in their offense running under Justin Fields. Just because he does all those jet sweeps and does all that crazy stuff, and I think mm-hmm. I think that that could work. I don't know where the picks – this is what's tough for Chicago is they don't have the picks, right? Now, I got, right. they don't have a first-round pick. They got they got pick 39 and pick 48, which they got back from the Chargers. So they have two pretty decent second-round picks. I just – they need talent all over the place, and a Bears fan could probably speak more to this. I The Bears are not a team that I think are, are one player away. Like, getting Debo would be great for them. Don't get me wrong. I don't know. They've traded away picks for other players. I just, I, I don't know. They they only have so many picks. I'm, I'm not sure if it works. I I understand on the pick on the pick portion. I just, I think player fit wise, just because he's so versatile, mm-hmm. um, because because they do need so much of that. Like, hey, we can't just do this with one player. But Debo can catch. He can run. Um, he's not a terrible blocker. Um, so I mean, there's is definitely definitely a a place where he could land and make a big impact for that team, I feel like. I think so, too. The Bears are an interesting combination. I'd put money on the Jets. There's that connection with I, Robert yeah, Salah and Lafleur's over there, and their, their time yeah. their timing is correct, too, with how they're building their team. I would bet the Jets. I don't know, or maybe the Niners say, dude, you're not going to sit out this year, so you're going to play for us, or you're not going to play at all. I could see them doing that as well. And then I could see him not playing and screwing up his whole contract. Yeah. Um, it, it, because it's the name of the game in the NFL right now, when players aren't getting what they're wanting, they're kind of crying and sitting on the bench and being like, well, whatever. If you're not going to give me what I want, I have millions of dollars anyway, so I don't really care. Yeah. Yeah. I think the NFL which, might be might be changing up a little bit, which is what I want to talk about next. That's what I was planning to talk about today is maybe this offseason is the start of a little transformation in the NFL, and, and we're going to operate differently moving forward, especially with young wide receivers, quarterbacks, high-priced players, where teams are just like, ah, maybe we will trade you. If you really want out so bad, maybe we'll just trade you. Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, and if, I mean, if I'm the 49ers, I trade him. 
because you can get a lot of clout for him. Like, you can get a lot of things for him. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he's very versatile. He's very great. But there's many players that you can develop and develop and develop and, and many players that you can make very good just like that. I think the Niners are very confident in finding a player to replace Debo Samuel, which is maybe why Debo wants out of there, is he doesn't feel appreciated and respected. Mike, I'm going to let you go, man. Have a good night. Enjoy Bucks Bulls. Sounds good, man. Sorry about the word drop. <laughs> no, you're good. That's Mike in Windsor. Mike dropped a little bit of an S-bomb. Not very Easterish, if I say so myself, Mike, but I, I got a button. Eric on I-90 is notorious for forgetting that he's on the radio. <laughs> So I have that button ready when Eric calls in. I just like to think people are comfortable when they call in. It doesn't feel like they're on the radio. It just feels like they're just talking to a friend. That is uh, that is the goal. Thanks for the call, Mike. 608-796-2558. Yeah, I, I wonder. Part of why I love doing this job is over the years, you can kind of observe how sports changes and how sports change, I guess would be the correct way to say that. Like Saquon Barkley went second overall in 2018. That was only three years ago. Doesn't that seem nuts that a team... In the last 20 years, let alone three years ago, it would take a running back second overall. Well, two years later, Kansas City takes Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at 32, and we're like, really? Why are you doing that? You know what I mean? The Giants in 2018 took a running back second overall. So the way in which the NFL has evolved and changed and doing this job every day and talking about this every day, I can kind of follow along, right? I wonder if this offseason isn't just a big step in the evolution of the NFL where teams are like, you know, we're not getting it done with Russell Wilson, so, all right, we will trade him. Like, fine, we'll get a haul for him. We'll start a rebuild. We're not getting it done with Matt Ryan, so fine, we'll trade him, right? Or, like, a lot of other names have been floated as well, and same with wide receivers. Like, you're about to turn 30. We don't want to give you a bunch of money, right? Debo Samuel, we don't think you should be the, the highest paid down quarterback in the league, so maybe we will trade you, maybe. Maybe this offseason is just the example of a big step in the evolution of the NFL. Let's talk to David really quickly before we take a break. David, welcome. What's going on? Just a quick thank you. I was on my way home yesterday at quarter to six. Yeah. And you went on this whole discussion about the MVP in the NBA and yeah. what's going on with Denver and Jokic. It was just entertaining. So it's just a um, call and say thank you. That's all. It yeah, was, it is, it, is it something that I maybe shouldn't care that much about? Was it entertaining because I was all over the place, or were you agreeing with what I was saying? <laughs> Look, I just thought it was, as Rome would say, it was an intelligent take. Mm. That's all. And, you know, more of those. <laughs> do more of those. Yeah, okay. Okay, I could do, I, uh, I'll, I'll promise to do that. We're going to talk about Packers wide receivers coming up next. I'll try to have a, another intelligent take for you, David was very entertaining, and I needed to be entertained at the end of my day. Uh, thank you, David. Have a good night. Enjoy the Bucks game tonight. You too. Should be over by the uh, by halftime. I hope so, because I want to go to bed. <laughs> Take care, man. I, I was entertained. Okay, well, that's my goal. I'm an entertainer. I'm not always right, as people love to point out on Twitter when I'm wrong. I'm an entertainer first. I'd rather be entertaining than right. Uh, but I think I'm right about the Jokic thing, too. Let's talk more about wide receivers. How does this impact the Packers? Right? What does this Debo Samuel mess mean for Green Bay? Let's talk about that coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Maybe talk a little bit more about the Brewers in a bit. 
I'm really vibing with some of these NFL conversations right now. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Let's stick with the NFL. Let's stick with the Packers, with the draft, and with this Debo Samuel story. Now, I was planning to talk about Debo Samuel tonight as it was. I, I started prepping the show this morning about 11, and I knew I wanted to talk about Debo. And also, A.J. Brown wants a new deal, and Terry McLaurin wants a new deal, and I was planning to do this conversation, this topic about young wide receivers how they want deals, and maybe how the NFL is going to evolve this offseason. It'll be interesting to watch. And then we got an official report. Jeff Darlington tweeted this today. Breaking news, I just spoke to wide receiver Debo Samuel, and he told me that he asked the 49ers to trade him. He did not want to discuss specific reasons behind his request, but he has indeed let the 49ers know his desire to leave the organization. More to come. That's, uh, as they say, straight from the horse's mouth, straight from the Debo's mouth, Okay. I wonder if this offseason is a huge turning point for the NFL. Maybe I just want it to be. I, I want to be able, in four years, look back at this offseason and say, that's where it started. The, the offseason where Debo Samuel wanted out, where A.J. Brown wanted a new deal, or Terry McLaurin wanted a new deal, when Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams were dealt, that was the offseason where teams started handling wide receivers differently and expensive top-line wide receivers differently. Right, I want to think of it as a turning point that we hearken back to and we remember. I was thinking of a good analogy for this earlier today. Do you remember 2011? Do you remember, I, I believe we call it the Arab Spring? I remember my social studies teacher talking about this in middle school, right? When Tunisia and Egypt and Libya and Syria and Morocco and all these northern African countries, they like all rose up and tried to overthrow their governments. Like this big democracy push in Northern Africa and in parts of the Middle East. And effects from this are still lingering today. Like there's still civil war in Syria and Yemen and Libya. And it all goes back to 2011. And that was the turning point for that region. And we still look back at it, right, when you talk about social relations and political elements of that region to this day. And that's Northern Africa. That's the Middle East, right? And obviously, like democracy protests in the NFL are very different things. But it's the idea of a turning point. That that was the point in time where everything changed and the effects are still being felt years later. Teams never used to be this picky handling out contracts to stars. They would, they would just give out contracts, right? Especially, especially in the NBA. NBA GMs were bad. It was like, you good? We pay you. That, that's what it was. If you were good, we'll give you a huge contract. Even if we're overpaying you, whatever, we'll pay you. GMs were really dumb, right? I think 10 years ago, GMs looked for reasons to pay a player. And these days, they look for reasons not to. It's like, well, you're really good, but there's this and this and this. Whereas just a couple of years ago, GMs would say, hey, you're really good. I know there are these other things, but who cares? Here's a contract, right? I saw a tweet earlier today from Eric Eager about Debo Samuel. He tweeted this. Uh, the issue with trading for Debo Samuel is that he has more utility to the 49ers than he does to any other team, right? Now, Debo has value to every team but not value equal to San Francisco. You need to get that. It's not that he can't be good on other teams, but maybe he isn't as good, right? He's not as useful to other teams. I like to think of this in terms of streaming services, right? You have Netflix, Hulu, HBO Max, Amazon Prime. Maybe you're a Disney Plus guy, right? It costs the same money, the same amount of money, both for you and me to get HBO Max, right? It's $15.99 a month, or if you do it with ads, it's $10.99. I looked it up today, right? I use my parents. Sorry, I, I don't know how much it costs, right? It costs the same amount of money for everyone. However, I love Barry and Succession, Righteous Gemstones and Winning Time and Silicon Valley. I love so many HBO shows. You may not. 
right? And if you don't like all those shows, then don't pay $15.99 a month. Why spend that money? Get Hulu, right? Maybe like Always Sunny, Handmaid's Tale, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I think Community's on Hulu now, too, and I like Community. But that, for you, would be money well spent, right? HBO Max and that fifteen ninety nine. dollars that's money well spent for me. I like all of those shows. If you don't like those shows, why are you forking over that money? That's not money well spent, right? We have budgets in our house and with our paycheck. NFL teams have a salary cap, and there are tons of wide receivers, just like there are tons of streaming services. And you got to pick your spots a little bit, unless you're a millionaire or unless you're baseball and you don't have a salary cap, right? The idea of value, that money is weighted a little bit differently for all these other teams, and I'm really interested to see how that plays into this Debo Samuel thing. Let's take a break. We'll keep talking about this next on the Wisco Sports Show. Did I hear a huge sigh coming from this side of the room? I just laughed. I'm just sitting there like, they're not having a chance. They're not going to win a game. Oh, but do they have a chance? No, I didn't think they did. Even when they had to lead, I was like, Milwaukee's going to win the game. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. You know, over that commercial break, I was on Twitter, and I'm looking at clips of the Celtics and the Nets players walking into TD Garden for the game tonight. I'm so conflicted over this series because there's two parts of me. One half of me is the Bucks fan, and the other half of me is the fan of the league, right? The Bucks fan really wants the Nets to win because I don't think the Nets are very good, and I think the Bucks can beat the Nets. The Celtics freak me out a little bit. However, the fan of the league in me wants the Celtics to win because I don't want the Nets to be rewarded for a really dysfunctional season, not getting a good seed, losing a lot of games, being kind of a mess. It's best for the league if the Celtics advance. It's best for the Bucks if the Nets advance because then they get home games. The Nets aren't as good. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm really split on this series. I hate both teams, but by the other side of the coin is I love both teams. I, I'm winning either way. Either the Celtics advance, good for the league. Nets advance, good for the Bucks. It's a win-win and a lose-lose at the same time. I don't know how I'm going to sleep at night for the next week or so. This is the Wisco Sports Show. We're talking NFL. Debo Samuel wants a trade. There are other unhappy wide receivers. Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams have already been dealt this offseason. I'm really hoping this is this is the start of something big in the NFL. Start of a change of the way we do business. That would really excite me, and I want to keep talking about that. Give me a call, 608-796-2558. You can reach me there. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant. Let's go to the phones. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? This is my first time calling in, but this is Hector from Onalaska. Hector in Onalaska, longtime texter, first-time caller. Hector, it's nice to talk to you over the phone. Yeah. What's going on, man? Uh, I just wanted to chime in here a little. Normally, I'm on the road coming back from delivering because I do FedEx, but oh, I nice. made it home early today. So Nice. Uh, I wanted to chime in on this uh, change in the NFL that you're referring to, and I wholeheartedly agree Um that it's definitely looking that way and going that way, but there's a negative side to it as well. Cause I've been, I've been kind of not granted. This is just rumors, but I have been hearing that like Alan Lazard might hold out for a contract. And so at that point, like you get receivers like him where, yeah, you're, you've been with the team for a couple of years. It's time for you to talk about it as some kind of extension, but like, what have you really done? Sure. So then you have like, because, uh, what's his name went and got a big deal from Jacksonville 
Uh, why can't I think of his Christian name? Christian Kirk? Uh, Kirk, yep. Yeah. So that kind of turned the market upside down, and now you got guys like Lazard that might expect more. So there's, I guess that's a negative side to it, but it is going to be exciting to see how the NFL reacts to it because I don't think owners are going to just want to continue to roll over like, you know, they had to with the bigger guys that have already moved on. But Yeah, I think as players become more ruthless in the way that they navigate changing teams and getting contracts, maybe the owner's response is to get more ruthless themselves, right? Maybe... Maybe maybe starting next year, the year after, owners say, hey, I don't think this guy's going to be happy. Let's trade him now before anything can go sideways, right? And I, I don't know if that's great for the player either. So for every action, especially with contracts and trade demands, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. I don't know what that'll look like. But if the NFL is going to change and move in this direction, GMs and owners are, and, and agents, too, are just going to have to tweak how they do business. And I'm really interested to see what that might look like. Agreed, yeah. And also, Pickens, probably the best pick for the Packers. Um, he's got that size and release they need. Plus, I've also heard maybe Watkins being talked about, but you already got a Watkins, so I say go Pickens, and you should be good. Yeah. All right, awesome, Hector. Thanks for calling in, and don't don't stop. I know I, I get texts, but I, I appreciate you calling in. It was nice to chat. Yeah, good to talk to you, Grant. You have a good rest of your night. Yeah, you take care. Hector in on Alaska. We do very well with the FedEx crowd, I'm realizing, which I love. My dad worked for FedEx for a long time. I find something very appealing about driving all day because I love listening to Sports Talk Radio. But maybe I love listening to Sports Talk Radio because I do Sports Talk Radio. And if I were to stop doing Sports Talk Radio, the appeal would go away. And therefore, the appeal of driving would go away. I don't know. I have some more thinking to do on this. Tim is in Sparta. What's up, Tim? Welcome to the show. Hey, Grant. I got a little bit of housekeeping to do first. I wanted to say you did a really good job with Ben Kenny the other day, a month or so ago, when you guys were filling in for Bill. Yeah. And the and the second thing is is could could you talk to your bosses or at least uh, put this on tape and send it to them. I can do that. And say, why can't we have four hours of you as opposed to two hours of a tired old guy that made his name as a shock jock uh, baiting uh, a quarterback into a fight? <laughs> I mean, his, his hot takes are old. They're tired. I can't say his name because I won't sully my tongue with it. Um, he's useless as parts of a bar are uh, just just can we get rid of him I mean it's a tape delayed program anyway I would rather have four hours of you and your sparkling conversation wow. than have to suffer I think you would be a natural lead-in right after Bill yeah. uh, regional guy I've ever heard in my whole life um, and I'm old so <laughs> so with that out of the way um, cause that's, that's just every time that I listen to your station and I have to turn away from bill for two hours and then turn back to listen to you, you know, it, it, it's just annoying. Yeah. So please go for four, go for four hours. Um, Debo Samuel, no way in hell he's coming to green Bay. No. I, and I don't want him. Um, anybody that I understand that he thinks that he has, and he has outplayed his rookie contract. But at the same time, if you want to sit out for a year, you're never going to make that money back no matter how much you get. Uh, because they're going to control you for – they can actually control you for five years. You want to sit out a year, then they can franchise tag you. 
you can then sit out another year and then how much you're going to be on the market. Yeah. You know, so, so take your pick. Um, and I am really, really pushing for and hope that they do this. I don't want a first round uh, wide receiver. Okay. Unless some remarkable guy falls in their lap. Um, what I want is I want a big, fat, aggressive uh, defensive lineman or uh, to put next to Kenny Clark, because uh, if you looked in, in the, at the, the tape of the season, when they moved Clark off the nose, he was tremendously effective yeah. because he wasn't having to eat a double team every single play. So if you can replace him with somebody that maybe can't get the push that he does but isn't being pushed off the line and move him over a little bit, yeah. I think that that improves their defense tremendously. And then the second thing is, the second person I want is go find themselves a great safety or a good cornerback, one of the two. Because I think that with the way the market was just reset by those idiots, the Browns, yeah, I think Jair is going to be really, really expensive. Uh, more expensive, I think, than I'm willing to pay, even though he's really good. But now they want so much guaranteed money. And how much are you on the hook for if he breaks another collarbone, you know, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Well, and that's, the, that's um, the tough thing, Tim, with the Packers is they don't guarantee money past the first year. They'll give you a big guarantee up front, big signing bonus, uh, almost as like a, you know, a sign of appreciation. Here you go, big, big, big signing bonus. But they won't guarantee money past the first year. That's just how they operate. And I, I don't know, is that something they're going to have to change? Right, because if players if players want guaranteed money past the first year, can the Packers afford to say, "All right, then we won't sign you"? I, I mean, you could lose good players that way. You could lose Jair that way. I I, I don't know if that's going to keep working with the Packers moving forward. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing that that that's the question. Um, you know, these agents, you know how how that cornerback for the Browns got so much money and so much of it guaranteed. I know that the Browns are dysfunctional. But are they just bloody stupid? The Browns? Uh, it, it, yes. <laughs> I mean, it's just they, they've been a they've been a dumpster fire for forever, um, and now that now they're between them and uh, who was it? Uh, uh, not the Panthers. The guy that just signed Kirk. Oh, the Jags, Christian yeah. Kirk. You mean? Yeah, the, the, Jaguars. the Jaguars. Yeah, down in Florida. You know. How insane was that money? Yeah. I mean, my God. There's there's a dozen people you could sign for that money that would have been so much better than him. So, you know, I don't know. It, the league is changing. Um, I, I know they've been trying, the players' union has been trying to get it more like uh, baseball players who I think are vastly overpaid. But when you're talking about billionaires fighting with millionaires, at some point, I don't know, you throw your hands up in the air and go, the fans get screwed. Yeah. Yeah, and we lose that on some of our favorite players, players we buy jerseys for. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Tim. There's a lot to address there, so I want to unpack it, and I appreciate the call. And trust me, Tim, I can pass that along to my boss. Um, I can say, hey, people don't like Rome. You're like, eh, <laughs> we, can, we get rid of them. Yeah, Grant, tomorrow, you start it. You start it, too, starting tomorrow. Oh, God, I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to book a lot more guests if that's the case. Mike Renner might have to be an everyday thing if I get to sit here for four hours. I will pass that along, Tim. Uh, thank you. I'm glad you enjoy the show. The Browns deal with Denzel Ward, I I mean, I like Denzel Ward. I think we need to get past a little bit 
the idea that they made him the top paid corner in the NFL, right? Oh my God, Denzel Ward's not the best corner in the NFL. How do you give him all that money? <laughs> they move money around to, to make that work, right? Like the Tyreek Hill deal, it's got this stupid number on the final year of the deal to, to inflate the average annual value. So what they do is the first couple of years, right, the money's really good, and then they throw some ridiculous number on the last year to boost the average year by year to make it $30 million a year, knowing darn well that Tyreek Hill's never going to see the end of that contract. They'll extend him or they'll cut him or something. So I guess I would just give you a little bit of caution when you say Cleveland Browns make Denzel Ward the NFL's top-paid cornerback. They did, but they also didn't. Like, we shouldn't get freaked out about that label because there's a lot of moving of monies here and there. So that label can be applied. I don't know that that label means a whole lot. I'd love for them to bring Jair back. I'm assuming that some of you don't, as Tim said, and now David Manone is calling in. And I would guess that Dave also wants to get rid of Jair, which is a bizarre take. Is that why you're calling, Dave? Oh, this isn't Dave. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I mix up your two numbers sometimes. I'm sorry about that. What's going on? (laughs) Just want to echo, first of all, uh, previous caller about get rid of Rome. We should start a, a campaign. His shtick is so old and so tired. Yeah, it is. And uh, he needs to go away for a while. Anyway, I wanted to talk a little bit about your changing of the, the guard, if, if you will. I'm thinking that your point, combined with the uh, fact that teams are now in it to win it and win it right now. We may not be able or we not be seeing any more of these second uh, contracts of huge amounts of money because maybe teams will figure out, well, uh, we've got this guy for five years. Um, Mm -hmm. After that, we'll just cut, cut rope and let him go. Yeah, well, that's the thing with wide receivers, Dave, is there's so many good ones now. And that's great. It's amazing that there's so many wide receivers in the draft and and every team has a couple of these great guys, but it might end up hurting wide receivers in the end because the market is so saturated. It's like, well, why are we going to pay $30 million a year for Debo when we could just draft somebody who's going to be really good right away, right? I I think teams might adjust in that way. They're like, no, we're not going to pay you because there's a lot of other options. I think you're onto something there, Dave. Yeah. Well, anyway, I'll let you go. Uh, Keep up the good work and uh, talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Have a good night. Dave from Middleton, not Dave and Monona. I'm sorry. I always get your numbers crossed up. Uh, It's the dyslexic part of me with numbers. I can do stats. I can do words, phone numbers. I, uh, I start to get confused and wrap them up just a little bit. Yeah, I, I think Dave is on to something. GMs are going to start saying, you know what? We're not going to give you a contract. This is how it's worked the last couple of years, right? If you are drafted and you outperform rookie expectations, meaning you play really well and you are all pro level, pro bowl level, you're a star, right? Then you get your new deal after year three. That's how it's worked, right? That's how it worked with Dalvin Cook. That's how it works with young superstar players. That's how it worked with Denzel Ward, who just got his deal from the Browns, right? If you are a young player on a rookie deal that has been a superstar or a star for the first three years, you get your new contract a year early. Right, Because most rookies don't play under their fifth-year option. They play four years, and then they get extended. Right, But if you are next level and you're special, and that's a smaller percentage of players, you get it after year three. That's what A.J. Brown and Terry McLaurin are gunning for and Debo Samuel. That's what they want, right? Maybe 
maybe. And maybe this is wishful thinking because I want to make this something into it's not, and I want to be interested, and I want to have something to follow. Maybe GMs say, you know what, Devo, we really like you, but we have you under contract for two more years, including your fifth-year option, which we don't want to exercise. We'd probably extend you after four, but we have your fifth-year option, too, just to give you the full scope of this. You're in a contract for five years, and you want to be the highest-paid non-quarterback in the NFL. Dude, you're really good, but you also have a huge advantage playing in our offense. We boost your stats by giving the volume to you that we do. And Debo, look, if you want to be traded because you want a new contract, fine, because we'll go back into the draft and we'll draft someone like you because there's a million good wide receivers now in every draft. If you looked at the last couple of years, right? Now there are superstar wide receivers going to Bama and being recruited by Nick Saban because he realizes you need star wide receivers to win in college football. They're going to LSU. They're going to Georgia. They're going to programs that are blue blood programs that traditionally have won on defense and running the ball because they're so much bigger and stronger. And then Saban realized when they lost to Clemson, they're like, oh God, we need stars. Okay. So there's Jamison Williams and Devonte Smith, right? And Jerry Judy, all of these guys, there are never, there have never been as many good wide receivers as there are right now. The market is saturated. So maybe teams, maybe, look at Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin, A.J. Brown, and think, uh, you're really good, but it's actually not going to be that hard to get another version of you. And if we can trade you away and get draft assets back and not have to pay you a huge mega deal, then we might do it. I saw an article yesterday, and I might have saved it. Let me scroll down here. Yeah, Billboard tweeted this out about TikTok. Viral moments are becoming rarer and rarer and rarer. This is the headline. Viral moments are fewer and farther in between because the platform is so saturated, says one executive. Savvy marketers are adjusting strategies. By the way, you can find me on TikTok at Wisco Grant. Just incredible content being churned out there every day. It's getting harder to go viral on TikTok because everyone's trying to go viral on TikTok. Right? So marketers are adjusting. It's like, okay, our goal shouldn't be to go viral. Our goal should be to have uh, interaction with our followers or a routine presence that people can expect every day, or we're using it to engage in a way that we haven't used it before, right? It's not just about going viral. Maybe we see something similar in the NFL. Our goal isn't to have the best wide receiver in the league who we pay a bunch of money. Our goal is to have good wide receivers that are cheap, right? To find budget guys, to draft guys, to be very active with picking young wide receivers. Executives are going to adjust. Front office guys are going to adjust. And maybe this is the offseason where we really start to see that. A.J. Brown, McLaurin, Debo, all unhappy and wanting a new deal. And traditionally, after the third season, that's when it happens. But it hasn't happened with A.J. Brown, McLaurin, and Debo. Now, to be fair, the Niners say they'll pay Debo. Debo doesn't want to stay. And I would imagine the Titans and the Commanders pay McLaurin and A.J. Brown. But who knows? We'll see. We'll have to watch it play out. I'm very excited to watch. Let's take a break. We'll talk a little bit more about this, and then I want to get into the Bucks and the Bulls a little bit. Love to hear from you. A lot of calls today. Let's keep that energy. A lot of energy, a lot of focus. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. My name is Grant Bills. Appreciate you hanging out. Maybe we'll talk some NBA stuff. I guess the Bucks play the Bulls tonight. I've forgotten about that three or four times today. (laughs) 
it's weird. I'm so into the NBA playoffs. I watched all three games last night, all the way to the end of Pelican Suns, because the Pelicans actually won. I expected when Wolves Grizzlies was done and I switched over, I was like, ah, the Suns will be up 20 and I can go to bed early. No, Pelicans were winning. We have Devin Booker now with a hamstring injury. I almost said Devin Williams and Devin Harris, which was a name that got brought up at the very beginning of the show. So I'm just, I'm error prone when talking about someone with the first name, Devin. Yeah, Devin Booker hurt his hammy, and he's not expected to play in games three and four. Really quickly before we get back into football, just something to mention, and maybe we'll talk more about this in a bit. It's quite fascinating the way in which the tenor of a lot of these playoff series has changed over the last four or five days right? Because going into the playoffs, I thought the Warriors were kind of a limping team. I thought they were limping into the playoffs a little bit, banged up, hadn't looked great, and they have whacked, whacked the Nuggets in two games to such a degree that they're fighting on the bench and Nikola Jokic got thrown out. Jordan Poole looks incredible. They have a new death lineup. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. Maybe the Warriors can win the title. Two weeks ago, I thought, no, it's the Suns. Maybe the Mavs, but now the Mavs are down bad with Luka injured. That's something that's changed. And through it all, we've thought, well, at least the Suns. The Suns are as close to a lock to make the finals as you can get. But now Devin Booker's hurt, and the series is tied one-to-one with a Pelicans team that looked pretty darn good last night. It's like, wait, if Brandon Ingram's going to play like that, and and Herb Jones is going to play that kind of defense, and Alvarado's going to get the ball up the floor quickly and not let Phoenix get that defense set, and Devin Booker's not going to play, and... Interesting. Maybe that changes some things, right? The tenor in some of these series has been changed to such a degree. And, of course, Wolves-Grizzlies. Wolves look like, man, this team go to the finals. Anthony Edwards is the next LeBron. And then game two, there was a correction, of course. And you're like, oh, yeah, the Grizzlies are really good. And the Wolves are still really young. It's interesting how the tenor has changed with some of these playoffs. Hopefully that does not remain the case with the Bucks and the Bulls tonight. Hopefully the Bucks run away with it. That's what history would tell us. Game one is close. And if the away team comes very close to winning that game and it feels like it's a letdown, then game two is typically a route the other way, which is what we saw with the Bucks and Heat last year. And then you'll get the best punch of the underdog team in their first game at home trying to salvage the series. And then if the home team loses that game, then game four is a route again, right? That's how the ebb and flow, the momentum typically goes in the series. So the Bucks should have a great chance to win in commanding fashion tonight. We'll see. 608-796-2558. We'll talk more NBA as the show goes along, but I want to stick with this Debo Samuel story. I want to talk more about some of these other wide receivers that have moved around. I'm fascinated by this. Mike Renner, who joined us at 420. <laughs> Happy 420, by the way. And if you missed that interview with Mike Renner, it was awesome. He was awesome. And make sure to check it out in the podcast, which I'll post just after 6 o'clock. I asked him about the Debo Samuel trade request and how it impacts the Packers, right? And he made a point that is so obvious, but it's one that I didn't consider. If Debo Samuel is traded to a wide receiver hungry team, that's going to take one wide receiver hungry team off the board in the first round. So I have the draft order printed as of yesterday on the wall in front of me, and this is a great use of this printed list that I smartly hung up because now I can look at the draft order. So if we're going through the first round, think of teams that need wide receivers, okay? Jacksonville needs everything, pick number one. Houston needs everything at pick number three. Now, the Jets need wide receiver. They're at four. What if they trade for Debo Samuel? They have the picks. They have the coaching connection with Robert Salah and Mike LaFleur is the offensive coordinator. Their timeline with a rookie quarterback on a rookie deal and lots of cap space. It makes sense to bring in Debo Samuel and extend him. 
So if the Jets trade for him at pick four, well, now they're out of the wide receiver market. So that's one wide receiver hungry team off the board. The Giants at number five, they have a lot of wide receivers. I'm not sure. The Panthers, who knows, right? The Falcons at number eight, who knows what's going on with Calvin Ridley. Maybe they go after Debo Samuel. Well, now the Falcons are off the board. So that's a wide receiver hungry team that's off the board. The Jets pick again at 10. So if the Jets give up one of those picks for Debo Samuel, hopefully they're off the board. Washington should just pay Terry McLaurin. Who knows if they'll take another wide receiver. I think Minnesota at 12. Sneaky should be interested in another wide receiver. I doubt that's how they'll go. But then again, this isn't Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer anymore. So who knows? See Philly at 15, maybe a deep threat. They could use a deep threat. They did not push the ball down the field. So maybe Jamison Williams is a natural fit for Philly at 15. The Saints need everything at 16, but they put a lot of stock into trading up to get that pick from 16, which came from Indy by way of Philadelphia. I don't know if they're going to use that on a wide receiver. The Chargers seem pretty set and okay. Pittsburgh, New England. Let's say New England trades for Debo Samuel. Out of the conference would make sense, right? He's the kind of player that Bill Belichick would like, real physical. He'd be like James White on steroids. But would James White but be able to do a million different things way better than James White? So if New England at 21 trades for Debo Samuel, they're now out of the wide receiver market. That's a team right in front of the Packers at 22. Do you get my point? Well, it's not my point. It was a point that Mike Renner brought up. If Debo is actually dealt before next week, and it's dealt to one of these wide receiver hungry teams that precedes the Packers in the draft order, that's great for the Packers. Even if they don't end up taking a wide receiver at 22, it increases the likelihood that more wide receivers will fall down the board, and maybe they snag one at 28. Now, I got a text here from Hector earlier. (laughs) Oh, Hector, you you texted in about that bumper song. Oh, my God, that's funny. Okay, so I want to talk about this, and then we'll take a break. Hector, this is incredible. I didn't see this, and I'm sorry. So Hector talked about how 49ers have said that there's no interest in trading for Debo. Well, of course they're going to say that. They want to keep their leverage. But you have another text here talking about how you love the the beat from Pound Cake, and that's this one right here, the one that I used just 20 minutes ago, and I'm sorry I missed it. He says, have you listened to Russell Westbrook on the farm by Lil Dicky? Amazing track. It is. It's an awesome song. Lil Dicky snaps, and this beat is just... If you look up freestyle beats over Pound Cake, they're just they're awesome. This is just an awesome beat that so many rappers have done cool things with. I have heard Russell Westbrook on the farm by Lil Dicky, and it's awesome. And I didn't think other people listened to that song. Thank you for the text, Hector. I'm sorry that I missed it. Now we have some texts from Mike, Rock and Rick, Big T. I'll get back to you guys in just a couple minutes. Let's take a break. Wisco Sports Show back in five minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Happy 420. Got a couple of tweets. From some listeners, especially our deadhead contingent, uh, who are celebrating 420 today, or just in the spirit of 420. You don't have to be celebrating. You can find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Text and call the show 608 796 2558. Mike in Eau Claire. Hi, Grant. Really enjoying your show. Oh, thank you, Mike. Says, I love the Brewer sweep. Here's my bold prediction for the Packers draft. We're going to pick up a wide receiver somewhere in day two. 
But later on in spring training, there's going to be a walk-on, and he'll make the team and contribute a little bit through the season. By the end of the year, he'll be a great Packer. Interesting, Mike. I'm not saying I disagree. I like the creativity. I think they're going to take a guy day two, too. That's George Pickens. What I could see is them passing on George Pickens at 28 and then moving up from 53 to, like, 40 and then taking George Pickens there when they just could have used pick 28 on him, but whatever. Packers and and their the way they do their draft sometimes hurt me, so I'm probably not the guy to talk to. Uh, Big T says, Rome sucks. Totally agree with the previous caller. Yeah, today's been a little bit of a roast to Jim Rome. Um, I have a decent Rome impression. Maybe I'll break that out to wrap up the show today. Andrew in Auburn. Four hours of Wisco. Where do I sign the petition? Okay, so now we're just dumping on Rome. Here we go. Cody, he says, with all the FedEx guys chiming in, I thought it should be known that I'm a UPS guy. Oh, and that's why I always deliver a great take. I would rather play the Celtics. Durant almost beat him, beat us by himself in a one-legged James Harden last year. Yeah, look, let's do let's do NBA. Let's get an NBA. This is a great time, Cody. Thank you for parlaying us into our, our, our next topic, which is the NBA playoffs, which are going on right now. Bucks, Bulls tonight, Celtics, Nets, starting about 20 minutes at 6 o'clock. I hate the Celtics more than I hate life itself, more than I love life itself. What's the expression? I despise the Celtics. I'd rather die than see them win a title. Really. I, I, I just, I don't like them. It's personal. It's not rational. I'm, I'm not pretending that there's logic behind it. I, I just don't like them. I do not like them. I don't like their fans. I don't like how many people in the media just have a hard-on for the Celtics all the time. I love the Bill Simmons podcast, but I can't listen to when the Celtics are playing well because all he wants to do is compare them to certain parts of the 90s Bulls. And I'm like, well, this is stupid. I'm not, I can't do this. I can't do this. I hate the Celtics. But I kind of want the Celtics to win because it'd be good for the league. And that's important to me, right? The Nets are really, in today's NBA, they're a dying breed. Super teams are a dying breed right now. It's not to say they won't become a thing next year or the year after. It's not to say they won't make a comeback. But the Lakers have failed. And the Clippers, at least through the first two years with Kawhi and Paul George, have failed. The Nets so far have failed. All of these attempted super teams have failed. And I like that. And the Celtics besting the Nets in the series would continue that trend. Look, I, I don't want to admit it. I, I, I hate to say it, but really, if you love the Bucks and their trajectory of winning a championship, then you would love the Celtics trajectory too. You know what I mean? Now, I, I don't think Jason Tatum or Robert Williams or Jalen Brown, I don't think they're the story that Giannis is. No one is. But they follow a similar trajectory in that they drafted their guys, believed in their guys. When people thought that Tatum should be traded, they held firm. When people thought that Jalen Brown should be traded, they held firm. They didn't do anything nuts. They didn't blow it up. They didn't go all in to trade for Anthony Davis. Now, they did try to get Kyrie, but that failed. That super team that they put together with Brown, Tatum, Hayward, and Horford, and Kyrie, that failed pretty miserably, actually. And they stuck with their core. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum found out how to play together. Marcus Smart improved. I hate the Celtics, but I love the NBA, and it's good for the NBA if the Celtics advance. I also think the Celtics have a much better chance of beating the Bucs than the Nets do. Look, Cody, Kevin Durant is unbelievable, and so is Kyrie, but they need to be unbelievable every game, and that's really hard to do for one round, let alone two rounds or three rounds, and they would be meeting the Bucs in the second round, right? So they're going to have to do it. They're going to have to come back against the Celtics. Katie and Kyrie are going to have to continue to be unbelievable. And then if they, then if they advance into the second round to play the Bucs, then they're going to have to be 
continuously believe or unbelievable. You know what I mean? It's just a hard way to get by. It's a really hard way to extend and win in the playoffs. I mean, think of Aaron Rodgers. When Aaron Rodgers in 2016 was out of his mind down the stretch, and he was great against the Giants. He had that Hail Mary. Great against the Cowboys that throw to Jared Cook. Maybe even 2018. Who did they play in the first round in 2016? Was that Washington? No, I don't Who cares? That's not the point. The point was Aaron Rodgers was so good in 2016, and it came to a head in Dallas when he basically single-handedly won that game. And then what happened the next week? It kind of crumbled. It fell apart because it's really hard to keep that up. It's hard to keep doing that. That's what Kevin Durant would have to do. That's what Kyrie Irving would have to do. That's really difficult to do. Celtics are nuts. The Celtics are nuts. And the way they defend... I don't want to see the Celtics, but I want the Celtics to advance because I love the NBA and it's good for basketball. Let's look at the trajectory of some of these series. I think this is very important to consider. Let's start with Net Celtics. That's the first series that we'll see tonight. Game two will be at six o'clock. And we'll talk about some of these storylines more tomorrow to start the show in the NBA lounge. When the home team and the away team come down to the wire as the Nets and Celtics did in game one and the home team squeaks one out and the road team, the lesser seed, the Nets, feel as though the seventh seed, they feel as though we should have had that. Ugh. History would tell us that the one seed will come back and blast them in game two. Because that letdown in game one, the feeling that that game got away, that's really hard for the road team. It's hard for that team to come back in game two and now push the gas even farther to the floor. So I think the Celtics will win confidently tonight. Maybe not, but that's what history would tell us. Look back at the Raptors series with the Bucks in 2018-2019. The Bucks squeaked one out in game one. Brooke Lopez was unbelievable, and they, they kind of got away with it in game one. They won close. And then what happened in game two? They blasted the Raptors. They blasted the Raptors so bad where I thought, we're going to the finals. That's that. right? And the Raptors were able to come back and, and eventually win the series. But if game one is close and it's a huge letdown for the away team and it's a team that, that the lesser seed feels like they should have won, history would tell us that the home team is going to blast them in, in game two. So that's what I think the Celtics will do tonight. That's what I think the Bucks will do tonight. Are there any other games tonight? What's the, what's the game that I'm forgetting about? Hold on. I should have pulled this up over the commercial break. It's my bad. It's bad producing. See, what I should have is a producer, and I'd be like, uh, hey, Mike, uh, what's the third game tonight? What do we got going on? And then he would chime in. And I'd check my phone and not listen because that's how you treat a producer. I'm kidding. 76ers Raptors is the middle game. So a good, a good, uh, a very good parlay here into game three. The 76ers and the Raptors have game three tonight. This is probably the best shot that the Raptors are going to have. They're down 0-2. This will be their final stand at home. Right? That's how series typically play out. If the home team wins the first two games, the best shot is going to come in game three, right? Because if they lose in game three, you think, well, they're facing elimination in game four. But by that time, they're defeated. They've lost and they've accepted it. Look at Bucks Heat last year, right? I actually want to pull up Bucks Heat 2021. This series follows very, very closely the way that a series will, will play out. So game one, the Bucks win in overtime, 109-107. Chris Middleton, buzzer beater in overtime. And the Heat walk away from that series thinking, ah, it was our chance. And the Bucks pound them in game two, 132 to 98. Then in game three, it was actually pretty darn close. Until it wasn't. 
and the Bucks ran away with that. 113, 84. That was an even bigger blowout. And then game four, it whatever, it didn't matter. Brooke Lopez is our leading scorer in game four. Giannis Middleton and Drew didn't even need to show up for that game. That's how over it was. So close game, higher seed wins. Blowout, higher seed wins. Third seed or third game is when the lower seed typically gives their best shot. So that's what we're going to see from the Raptors tonight. I would expect the Bucks to blast the Bulls out of the gym tonight, and I would expect the Celtics to do the same. Now, the one thing that the Nets have going for them and the one thing the Celtics might be leery of is that Kevin Durant didn't play very good in game one, but Kyrie was unbelievable, right? You maybe don't expect Kyrie to play that good again, but you maybe don't expect Kevin Durant to play, I don't want to say he played poorly, but the volume really wasn't there. I would expect the Celtics to win tonight. I would expect the Bucs to definitely win tonight and look way better and probably not have it be close in any point in the second half. I also think game one was a little bit of a tough scenario for the Bucs in that they're rusty. They hadn't played in a while. Now, the Bulls hadn't played in a while either, but the Bucs were up 21-9 to early on, right? And then they got up to a big lead. I always say the most dangerous lead in basketball is like 19-23 to points. And I know the Bucs weren't up that much. At least I don't think they were up that much. But it's dangerous early on in a game to jump out to a lead. Unless you jump out to a lead of like 30 points. Unless you jump out to a lead that's so insurmountable that, that the rest of the game doesn't matter. To jump out to a 19-point lead early on is tough. Because you can't hold a 19-point lead the rest of the game. It's going to get closer. The Bulls are full of really good players. The NBA is too talented. These teams are good, too good to hold that lead for an entire game. Unless you, you get out to a lead that's so big that it's just insurmountable. Right? I think that was a little tough for the Bucs. They got out to such a big lead, it felt so easy, and then they loosened up, and then it was it was difficult to then kick it back into gear, which is why I think it was so clunky down the stretch. If the Bucs and the Bulls are closer in the first quarter, I weirdly think it almost benefits the Bucs tonight. Let's talk to Mike and Eau Claire before we take a break. Mike, 608-796-2558. Welcome to the show. What's going on? Hey, I, I share your uh, feelings about the Celtics. Yeah. I I have lived here since 1993 in Eau Claire, so I've been here for almost 30 years. But I grew up in Los Angeles, so I grew up with the Showtime Lakers, and I hated the Celtics. So I I still, it's, uh, times are different now, I know. But wouldn't you like it if the Bucks got to knock the Celtics out of the playoffs? Yeah. That's what I, and then, and then uh, one more, I've listened to your show almost every day. With uh, Giannis being the MVP, I don't think anything has changed. I don't know why we need to award these other players when Giannis (laughs) is clearly the most dominant player in the game. I don't, I don't understand the MVP. I know it's just a side show, but MVP for him, for me. You know, Mike, I want to talk about something you said. Wouldn't it be nice to beat the Celtics? I do think it would be really nice to beat the Celtics, and maybe this is a loser mentality, but. I also think it would be better to lose the Celtics because if the Bucks lose to the Nets, everyone is going to use that as an instrument to invalidate the Nets losing last year. It's like, see, the Nets were better all along. If Kevin Durant's toe wasn't so long, you know, they would have won last year too. I, losing to the Nets freaks me I out. I would hate I, that. Yeah, I think it would open some weird doors, and that worries me. Yep, I agree. Yeah. All right, Mike. You got no, anything thanks, else? Man. Talk to you later. Yeah, talk to you later. That's Mike and Eau Claire. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to. Like, well, what else you got? Um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for the call, Mike. I appreciate it. I would take great pleasure in beating either the Nets or the Celtics. It would be great to beat the Celtics. I also think it would be less bad to lose to the Celtics because if the Bucks lose to the Nets, 
you know how this works. People are going to say, see, we knew last year was a fluke. And that's dumb. I don't want that. But I also don't think I should be considering possibilities of losses. That's a loser mentality, don't you think? Mike, I also agree with you on the MVP. I think if Giannis hadn't won back-to-back MVPs two years ago, maybe he would have won it this year. It's just so tough to continue. It's it's tough to stack MVPs because voters get fatigued. Well, Giannis won two already. Let's see if we can't get Durant one, right? Let's see if we can't get Jokic to go back-to-back. I'm not saying voters have agendas, but they're humans, right? It's like, we're going to give this to Giannis again? I'm with you. I'm with you, Mike. I wish Giannis would have won the MVP, but... Giannis doesn't care about MVPs. The best superstars truly don't care about MVPs. Can't say for that for all of the superstars in our state. All right, Grant, leave it, drop it. Don't bring Aaron Rodgers into this. All right, I won't Um, until tomorrow. Maybe we'll do some Rodgers stuff tomorrow. Maybe. Maybe. Let's take a break. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Grant Bills, I am so glad you've been hanging out, checking out the show. If you missed the first hour, especially, we talked a little bit about the Brewers and what's been going on eh, the last five or six days. We threw it back and brought up a couple of data points and examples from the St. Louis series over the weekend. We also reacted to this three-game sweep over the Pirates. The Pirates are terrible, but we can use a couple of these games to talk about some things. Uh, Just kind of jumping off points. Talk about the Brewers' Rowdy Telez and what this team in its most perfect version looks like. And I think we saw that successful recipe for the Brewers a couple times last week. Great start, offense that chips away over the course of the game, and then Williams and Hayter slam the door. That recipe can fall apart really easily, right? If one of those things doesn't happen, that recipe can fall apart quickly. But if you have all three things going, offense, starting pitching, and then the back end of the bullpen with Hayter, Brewers are pretty tough to beat, although it's against the Pirates. So maybe not the, the the day and maybe not the week to really focus in on the Brewers. But that happened in the first half of the show. You can find that in the podcast. And also Mike Renner was here, lead draft analyst for Pro Football Focus. He was great. He did a really, really good job breaking down some prospects that may work for the Packers and prospects that might not work for the Packers and why they don't work, right? Maybe how they'll approach those two first-round picks or who they look for later in the round. This draft is interesting there's no slam dunk top prospect there's no slam dunk top quarterback there's no there's no slam dunk anything in this draft doesn't mean they're not good players there are no slam dunk obvious you know 10 out of 10 campus prospects another really interesting thing about this draft that I talked about a bit with Mike all the bigger wide receivers are later in the draft the first round guys the day one guys are smaller they're your 180 pounders doesn't really fit what the Packers have done. But if you've been listening to my show for the last two weeks, I'm getting a little pissed with people telling me that, well, that's not what the Packers do. Well, the Packers don't really draft good wide receivers. <laughs> At least they haven't since 2014. I guess MVS was pretty good. So they've drafted what? One and a half great wide receivers since 2014. Maybe they need to update their 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 standards just a little bit, right? Like if your friend was 48 years old, And he really wanted to get married. He really wants to start a family. But he just, he's struggling to settle down with someone because he's looking for that perfect someone. What would you tell that friend? It's like, hey man, uh, you're 48. 
I, I don't doubt that you can find someone even at this advanced age, but you might need to drop your standards just a little bit. Like, not every woman looks like Beyonce, and uh, you're a little bit past your prime, buddy. You're nearing fifty. You want you want to have a family? You better you better better ease up your standards a little bit. Beggars can't be choosers, right? And the Packers with wide receivers are beggars right now. Now, they wouldn't say it. They'd say, well, we got a lot of picks to address the position. We brought in Sammy Watkins. Yes, but in the scope of the NFL and in the scope of your NFL roster, you are beggars. You need wide receivers. So maybe don't be choosers, right? You're 45 years old. You're looking for a girlfriend, and your standards are a little high, you know, for the situation that you're in. But you need to drop those standards just a little bit. Oh, the guy weighs 187 pounds instead of 195. The horror. Maybe don't be afraid to, to explore that as, as a potential fit for the Packers offense, right? That was Justin Jefferson or Devontae Smith or some of these other slimmer, thinner, smaller wide receivers that the Packers haven't considered. Maybe it's time to consider them, right? Maybe it's time to, to change your standards a little bit. So if you want to hear that conversation I talked with Mike Renner, uh, you can find that in the podcast. I'll post it just after 6 o'clock. We were just talking a little bit about the playoff games tonight, of which there are three. Sixers-Raptors game three. I would expect the best possible game out of the Raptors tonight. We'll see if it's enough. You typically see a really good game, kind of a final gasp from the away team when they get back into their building and they're down 0-2. Bucks and Celtics both got close wins at home in game one. History would tell us that the lower seed, Nets and Bulls, kind of had their shot in game one and they're not going to roll into game two with the appropriate moxie. They're a little defeated. They feel like game one got away from them. They might just be ready to get back to their home arenas. That's what history would tell us. That doesn't mean it'll play out, but if I was a betting man, I would probably pick the Celtics, who I think are the better team anyways, and the and the Bucks, who are the better team anyways. Um, but movement of series and tradition of series and, and precedent would tell us that, that that's going to be the case. I was trying to figure out if there was an appropriate 420 song to play us out tonight. And I thought the song, because I got high, I'm like, well, that's lame. <laughs> that's that's really lame. Um, so I'm going to play a Grateful Dead song instead, uh, and it'll be a recommendation. Let's do a song recommendation too. This song, I didn't think was on Spotify, but I ended up finding it. It's August 1971, live in Hollywood. Uh, it's an awesome show. New Riders of the Purple Sage opened the show, uh, and then the Dead played. The best song on this is Hard to Handle, and it's unreal. Pigpen is peaking. Um, Jerry is nuts, which is insane to me, given that he also opened with New Riders. So here you go. Hard to Handle, 1971. It's uh, Fallout from the Phil Zone, if you want the album. Enjoy your 420. Enjoy the games tonight. I'll be back tomorrow starting at 4 for an NBA Lounge. Can't wait. Your station for sports. Get up. Get out of here. Go. WKTY Lacrosse. 96.7 FM. 580 AM.